0: Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ Market Site, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Leer. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, consumer discretionary and energy both on fire today, leading the markets higher. But if you don't trust this bounce, the chartmaster says there are three stocks you can own no matter what happens next. Plus, another wounded bull, Canaccord's Tony Dwyer, the latest Wall Street strategist to cut his 2019 target. But he says the best buying opportunity of the year could be just around the corner. Well, we start off with the markets, so the Dow adding to Friday's huge day, up another 100 points, closing slightly off the highs of the session, as it starts to feel like investors are putting trade and the Fed in the rearview mirror. And check out this unlikely pair. So happy together. Energy oh, and retailer. The mm-hmm. Retails, uh, the big winners today and the big winners since the December market lows. Energy and Retail now both up 14 percent since then. Typically, higher prices in the energy complex lead to pain for the consumer. So can this retail rally really continue if we see strength in energy continue? What does this mean for the markets, Guy?
1: I I think the strength in retail can continue with crude oil rallying. I mean, you go back to the summer, names like Nordstrom's, Macy's had tremendous runs when crude was still probably in it in the later stages of its upswing. So I don't see any reasons why they need to be mutually exclusive. And in terms of setups, you know, I'll let Tim speak to the energy portion, but in terms of retail, you look at a name like J.W. Nordstrom, which unfortunately reports towards the end of February, so you've got a lot of time, but you look at where it just traded down to, traded down to $45, held, exact low we made back in May, seems to be bouncing, valuation is reasonable, and names like these are trading names. Like, I don't think Nordstrom's has figured out all their problems, but the move from 65 that we Saw so, uh, you know a few months ago, down to 45 was probably too much, and I think you can see on a benign tape. We'll talk about the broader market later. A rally in retail.
2: Well,
3: retail. So the XRT, if that's your measure of retail, at least as a proxy, is outperformed the S&P by about seven percent um, since I think it's about seven days or a couple days into last year through to where we are. The holiday season was extraordinary for retailers. The other dynamic, we're going to talk about credit a little bit later in the show, but I do think that a handful of these retailers are credit stories. And so you've seen at least the combination of very good backdrop on holiday sales and also a better credit environment, making a lot of these oversold names look interesting. I still think Best Buy, which trades always cheap, is very cheap relative to itself in this recent run. Had another big day today. I think retail is the place you stay.
4: But what, what, what has changed, I guess, is not a lot since last week. I think the most positive thing is Powell. So if Powell is dovish, the market can run. I think it's all technical. I don't think it matters.
0: And everything runs, that means?
4: Yeah, I think everything runs. I think the things that gotten beaten up, retail, energy, that's what you're seeing pop. Large cap tech. But I don't think it really matters on the whole. But, but Powell's not technical, right? I mean, is Powell's Powell, discussion about Powell rates and, is, and, and, and the, the Fed policy, and how... The the rates, but it's all talk. I don't know what reality is just yet.
0: Yeah, Karen.
5: I mean, retail, it's really nice that it bounced. It shouldn't have been where it was, right? There's so many good things that have happened in retail in terms of employment numbers. You talked about even with with oil up, gas prices are still very low. People are employed. Wages are going up. And the valuations on a lot of these names I think were really overdone. So it's nice to have this one-day rally. But I I agree with what you're saying. I think there's still legs here because the multiples... On a lot of these stocks are well below the market, market. They
4: got so beaten up, but just think about what's going to be late. The refund checks are going to be late with the government shutdown. That's a lot less money in the pocket of consumers. Maybe that's a headwind going forward. But for now, I think you're okay for a further pop, but that could be a headwind.
0: In terms of the psychology of the consumer, though, guy, I mean, we were talking just last week about how all <laughs> the market volatility can really grate on sure. the psyche of the investor. And then at the same time, if you see prices rising at the pump, isn't, isn't that a headwind at all? I mean, yeah, I, a little I, less money in your wallet every week than filling up the gas I think thing?
1: the market volatility is the key. Listen, gas prices, I think we've become conditioned to see gas rise and fall over the last decade or so. So I think the U.S. consumer has, is okay with gasoline at these levels or slightly higher. Number, one. number two, though, is, is a more salient point, I think, the volatility in the market, I think, scares people, and a scared consumer is a consumer that won't spend. Now we've seen an eight and a half, nine percent bounce from the low over a holiday week. Maybe people are saying, you know, that was it. 2019 is going to be great, so maybe their confidence can come back if we see a tape that continues to sort of grind sideways to slightly higher. I happen to think. That the market movement is far more important than energy
4: it movement. Is, it is more important. I, I, I trust that and I believe that. I think that when people see the market and their net worth evaporate, mm-hmm. it, they really don't want to spend, obviously, right? It's human nature. But I, I also believe that this rally, this pop, is going to be short-lived because there's nothing fundamentally that has changed in my but, mind.
5: Let's say this rally is all trade, which it seemed to me that it is. All trade? So- Trade. Trade-related. The okay. hope that there's I, I trade. But let, let's I'll let just you keep trade. going. All right. Thank you. Let's just say that it's I, all I think trade he's real. going
4: to disagree with you when I, you're I
5: done. I sense that. But I'm laying well, back. <laughs> <laughs> if it's all trade, which I think it is, do you think that we have to see something in the near-ish term? I think you will see something. Maybe we will. I, yeah. I hope
4: we will. I'm I think you will skeptical. see something, and that's going to be the last pop or the last rally in this bounce relief.
0: Or it could be the biggest headwind to the retailers who are going to face a rise in tariffs come March. I mean... Right, I mean, they have if 90 yeah, days. If right? Get right there's done. no right. deal done. There are real consequences at that 90-day mark of tariffs going on to the that, market.
5: I think to as the well. markets and, and, to and to
0: retailers so specifically.
3: I, I think I think that's fair. I, I think we're going to get some kind of an announcement because I think this administration needs some kind of an announcement. I, I'm not sure um, you know how substantial and and certainly how constructive it will be to the structural issues here. But I look at what's happened in the last forty eight or seventy two hours and while i don't think what Fed Powell said on Friday was any really that different than what he said two weeks earlier, I will acknowledge that the balance sheet was given uh, more of a context for them being flexible why do you think we what we're that's, now using. that's the that, that was the whole that was the point whole point of, it, of the rally I understand that so why are we talking about trade as if trade is really the dynamic here that it's I think' another, is going to give another people. another tail well uh, so to me, the Fed is the only thing that matters right now, and if you have a dynamic here where the Fed is actually saying look in the short run, we're going to let this thing uh, breathe as often as it needs to or as much as it needs to. That, to me, is so much more important than trade. Um, I, I think that is them? what's weighing down of the worse. market.
5: Let me disagree with you. please. I think if we were to see a headline tonight, like, you know what, the U.S. contingent US has come back and tra- talks are off, and we currently plan on March 1st or whatever the date is, we're going to implement those tariffs. That market will be down a lot.
3: Okay, so let me throw another s- scenario at you or another hypothetical what if we heard tonight from feds Powell or a handful of the fed committee members that are voting members that actually the fed is con- concerned and is actually going to be more hawkish than um we were misinterpreted hawkish over the hawkish? more hawkish okay. in other words i okay. i think i think the market would sell off a lot more on fear of fed than it would on fear of no trade but we can agree to disagree. All right. That's an interesting... We won't know. We'll Mind I think the fact <laughs> yeah, the exactly. most important thing right now. I think central banks in the world are the, the most important thing. The problem is, I,
4: I've been saying this, and I'm not going to the pat myself on the back, but I've been saying this since October 3rd, that it was the balance sheet. For me, It was ra- that was equivalent to raising at every meeting along with raising. So it's a double raise basically at every meeting. So now right. if he backs off the balance sheet, because we all know he's going to be data dependent, but if he backs off the balance sheet, the, that is the biggest thing for the this market. This
0: all goes hand in hand, though. I mean, it, it, I think it, the concern is the Fed's reaction to what's going on around it in terms of what the macro is. And part of that equation is what is going on with trade. So, I mean, if you're if you're a, a believer that economic growth will likely slow it Earnings growth will likely slow this year in 2019. And, I am. and on top of that, you have the potential unknown of a trade war. And then on top of that, you've got a Fed that you thought two months ago was on autopilot. That's a that's a cocktail for disaster. But if you have a Fed who suddenly backs off, even with these unknowns out there, trade. Right then, isn't all that of a what we've it just makes had? A little bit
3: better. Isn't that what we've just had? I I think I agree with you. Um, yeah, um, so I, I, I think the I don't Fed know is one is a, a bigger thing to me. Than it's the other. much harder it's, it's to a run a to,
5: It's much harder to run a business to worry about trade and supply chain and tariffs than it is to worry about a quarter percentage point increase. Yeah, but the, the Fed. Fed is a yeah.
4: constant. The trade, the trade can be resolved, as we'll see, whether it's going to be resolved or not be resolved in short order. But uh, Powell, with a hawkish stance, that's pretty much as long as Powell's going to be there. I think trade, that was the, the big trade one. issue
0: goes away. They sign an agreement tonight, Guy.
1: Oh,
4: where's the then, market?
0: Then all of a sudden, where, where's the market? But also, do you think that the that the chances of a recession get pushed off? Do you think that economic growth, the decline that What's we'll it? see, is going to be lessened? Okay because of, of the I mean, trade So issue I'll try to answer
1: both your questions. I think if, if that headline comes out tonight, I think we trade up to 27.10 in the S&P. That was a level that we talked about for a long time over the summer, into the fall. So I think that's the level we test on the upside. To your question about does it take recession off the table, again, I believe that recessions are caused by market sell-offs. So if I believe that, my answer to 27.10 means a recession is less likely.
0: Our next guest is the latest strategist to slash his 2019 target, but he says new highs are coming this year. He's brought along some charts to prove it. So let's head over to the plasma where Tony Dwyer of Canaccord Genuity is standing by. Hi, Tony. Happy New Year.
2: Hey, Mel. Thanks a lot. So obviously October 4th, we did a, we did a special on the correction and the low volatility. Clearly, we didn't think we'd have a market crash, and we have had a market crash. We've had a 20% decline, peak to trough with a spike in volatility. So we look back over the course of the last 40 years to find other (coughs) 20% drops within four months, which is what categorizes a market crash. And we found three examples, 1987, 1998, and 2011. So let's take a look at how 2011 worked out. First, of course, you made your high. Then you had your 20% swoon as denoted by the circle there. Importantly, we had this reflex rally. We're currently seeing a reflex rally. It's up about 9%. This one was about 11% over the course of 13 trading days, and certainly you had a retest. All of the um, non-recession crash environments had a retest of the low. All of them did. All three of them did. And then, of course, you ended up moving to new highs. So if we go go forward and look at the current environment, what we have is, again, we had the high here. You had the VIX at 10. You had 61% bulls. We did the show it was going to correct. Didn't think it was going to crash, obviously, um, but then what you had was your initial low here around the Christmas time. The, the intraday low was the day after Christmas, and what we're, what we're seeing now clearly is this ramp and reflex rally. If you match the average of the other three, it should be about 13%. It brings you up to about 2,600 to 2,660. Once you do that, again, you retest that low. So we think over the course of the next four to five weeks, you're going to unfortunately retest that low. But once you do that, in all of these non-recession environments, you've hit a new high. So that is the opportunity not to worry about the retest, but to use it as you, to your advantage.
0: All right, so Tony's going to walk over, and in the meantime, Guy,
1: what yeah, do you think Yeah, so trends? look, on Friday you said, you know, f- trade it to fade in terms of the broader rally. I said fade Friday's move in the S&P. Obviously, that was wrong today, but I'm sort of, I do, I find myself in Tony's camp. I think the situation lends itself to exactly what we saw summer of 2015 into 16 on February 10th, I think, 2016. The S&P cratered down to 1810. You had a number of announcements that day, J.P. Morgan, Jamie buying back stock. You had some OPEC news. You had a Deutsche Bank bond issuance. That was the low until basically for the last however many years. So I think the situation plays out exactly like that. I think January is painful. Trough in February. Then probably have a decent back half.
0: So, Tony, um, in terms of cutting your target, you're just the latest strategist to do that.
2: Correct. And I've said on the show that my target was wrong. I wanted to wait to see how much I was going to slash it based on whether the Fed acknowledged the inflation data that was coming out and the inflation break-evens, which we talked about on the show. And I've said publicly, I'll say it every time, if I get the target right, it's luck, right? <laughs> because you're making a guess at the multiple. My new target is based upon retesting that high, which is 20, 20, uh, 20, uh, nine fifty. So that's the target. It has nothing to do with the valuation. That'd be a 17 and a half multiple. But, you know, that's our target.
0: In terms of uh, the change in what the Fed has said in in the Fed's posture when it comes to rates and its balance sheet, I mean, the Fed basically gave the markets everything that they wanted to hear and yet you still move your target lower. So what do the Fed need to do in order for you to stick by that target? If if the main reason is the Fed. It would have been a lot Fed, lower had
2: he not done what he did. He was reading off a sheet of paper. No matter what it, it was going go no to go, no matter what, down, what it was going to go, No it would have been says. a 30% rally off the low. The market crashed. Listen, I'm good at being wrong. I'm also good at looking at history and data, and I go by the data. Sometimes the data is wrong. If you look at a post-crash environment, human nature is very consistent and very clear. Let's fast forward. So we've had two days where you've had 95% upside volume. I use Sentiment Trader, a guy at OddStats on, on Twitter, to give me you know, the history of when things like that happen. That's what happens right after you make an initial crash low. You have, two, you have big up days. It's very exciting. People think you're off to the races, and then you have this demoralizing retest of the low. And, and that's just because you have earnings season coming up, you're not sure what the Fed's going to say next, you have the trade issues, you have Brexit, don't forget Italy. You've got a lot but of But Tony, issues.
4: does it make you rethink what got slammed to get us down to those lows and what is going to rally the most? Is it the things that got hit the hardest that should rebound off those technical levels? Or is it the things that you want to hold the longest?
2: So if you look at the 98 and 2011 scenario, um, financials, industrials, tech, Um, They generally lifted the most off of the low over the next three to six months. And then you kind of petered out, depending upon what the yield curve did uh, and the other issues. But again, the the call needs to be when you crash, it's it's not a fundamental situation, right? You need the Fed to get a little more dovish. They did. You need the trade issue to kind of work its way through. It probably will. But ultimately, it's a human nature trade now. You crash the market. You get a reflex rally. We're in it. Same as every other one. And within four to five weeks, you retest the low. You got to buy that if you, unless you absolutely are convinced you're going into recession.
0: Tony, thanks. Good to see you, Tony Dwyer, Canaccord. Thanks, Mel. Karen, do you believe what Tony's saying? I do. I'm not sure where trade fits into it, though.
5: I mean, so so, to me, it's still the biggest question. I don't know if the charts uh, allow for that, or if that. To me, it's the biggest question.
0: For you, though, in order to see the markets have a gain for this year, we need to see the trade issue resolved in some
3: way? Yes, Look, what was different about the market to me from October than it was the market that also had a lot of volatility from essentially February through October was that credit fell apart in October. We saw high yield fall apart dramatically. And what we've seen actually over the last couple of days is really the, the kind of a rally you've actually seen in credit, but especially high yield, that tells you that things are a lot different than the market priced at the end of the year. I would argue that we had some serious dynamics as we got into the year end with redemptions. There was zero liquidity. Uh, I think high yield, especially as it relates to energy and some retail names, is still open for question. But the recovery in credit is the healthiest part of this market recovery
0: hard to be a strategist these days in this in this kind of market
3: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm
1: that's why I'm not so it's hard hard just for me to spell strategist which is why I don't have it on my little business card I just sit here and chat every night what's your business
3: card say now just g-swizzle negotiator g-swizzle like
1: George Clooney in one of those uh, oceans movies (laughs) yeah just it
0: coming up it's been a wild ride since the market highs in September but the chart master says there are three stocks you can buy no matter where the market goes next plus Check out these two rallies, Fit for a King and Netflix and Amazon surging back from their December lows. Will they reign as market leaders once again? And later, it is a biotech breakout as the healthcare space heats up and the deal-making picks up steam. And you won't believe what the CEO of Amgen just told Jim Cramer moments ago. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Biotech getting a huge boost today following pharma giant Eli Lilly's $8 billion purchase of Loxo Oncology, the company's largest acquisition ever. The deal sending the IVB ETF, which tracks the biotech space, up more than 3% today, nearly 10% since the start of the year. Our own Jim Cramer sat down with a number of CEOs in the space at the annual J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference today. Here's what the Amgen CEO had to say about growth at its company.
6: We have uh, four areas of big growth right now. We have cancer, our cancer portfolio is growing, cardiovascular portfolio is growing, bone health, uh, and migraines. And then in addition, we're launching biosimilar medicines, which we expect to be an important source of growth for us as well. So we expect uh, to be a a company that continues to grow handsomely on the top line in earnings per share over the long term.
0: For the full interview with Jim Kramer and the CEO of Amgen, stick around for mad money. That's at the top of the hour. So the question here, should investors keep betting on biotech and the healthcare space? I mean, two major acquisitions in two weeks.
1: Yeah, I think so. And that, this is not Monday morning quarterback stuff. This is something we've been saying on this test now for quite some time, probably since... Earlier in the spring, I do think valuations are still reasonable. In the case of Eli Lilly, for example, which is about to make an all time high, you know, if you like Lilly at 19 and a half times forward earnings, you got to love Pfizer at about 14 times. So I think there's room in the space. I think the fact that the president, I believe on Friday, tweeted about drug pricing and thereabouts, and you didn't have a knee-jerk reaction to the downside today, albeit on a decent tape, I, well, think, I think that's a good all sign. and a
4: that, that would be the only thing I would say is the negative, that it was on M&A that we saw the Pops, that we didn't see that knee-jerk reaction to the downside. And now when you have a Democratic-run house, you do get that ability for the bipartisanism to uh, really kind of flood the space with negative pricing again. Not to say that, to Guy's point, M&A won't trump it, but you don't you never know.
3: Well, so healthcare, uh, first of all, has been kind of disappointing. If you look at a couple of bellwethers over the last few weeks, UNH has certainly, I-, I would argue, been the best name in terms of both the quality of their earnings, their growth, and obviously the share price over the last two years. And that stock's been under a lot of trouble. Um, as Guy has pointed out, and he's been pointing out for a long time, the big pharma names have been very defensive. They're very defensive in a, in a volatile marketplace, not only because of their balance sheets, because of their dividends. I would argue that IBB has outperformed uh, not only because of the M&A environment, but because, in fact. A lot of these stocks have extraordinary balance sheets and, and had been lagging for so long looking for catalysts. I mean, how long have we been talking about Gilead? Now, the problem here is that look at where Celgene traded down to and look even where you're getting taken out. You've lost a lot of money in that stock if you've been in that stock for a couple years, even on the takeout. The guys yeah. that actually win are really Bristol Myers, although even their but no, they did not w- Right? I, I, I know, I'm wondering, I know. do you
5: want to be in the XBI for the biotech, if you want to play the targets, so more and leverage
3: to the smaller
5: more biotech. More leverage, game. right? Because if you look at what happened, I mean, yeah. Bristol on the on the announcement of that deal, it's you know, that was reaction. Reaction. not so much, right?
0: Yeah, but I mean, that that wouldn't be a reason though for you to be invested in biotech, the takeout.
5: If you believe they're not expensive as they are, right?
0: Which is what what you believe. Plus, you want the kicker of the Then M&A. you want the kicker, okay. right? For more on the biggest headlines out of JP Morgan's Healthcare Conference, head on over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
2: But under no circumstance are you allowed to take off your blindfold.
6: Actually, can you take off your blindfold for this? That's better. Because Netflix shares are surging. And now could be your best chance to buy the stock. We'll explain. It's been a wild ride since the market highs back in September. But the Tartmaster says there are three stocks you can own no matter what happens next. He'll give us the names and the trade. Fast Money returns right after this break.
7: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
0: Welcome back. We've got a market flash on Union Pacific. The stock is surging after hours. Let's get to Sima Modi for the details. Here, Sima. Well, it really is. Shares of Union Pacific up about 6.7 percent after hours after the company announced its hiring seasoned veteran Jim Vena as chief operating officer, effective January 14th. Vena has been a big proponent of precision scheduled railroading, an operating plan that is expected to boost the underlying performance of railroad players. Keep in mind, even with today's move, shares of Union Pacific have underperformed over the past three months, down about 9%, due in part to these slowing global growth concerns. Melissa? All right, Seema, thank you. Seema Modi. Uh, Tim, where do you go on Union Pacific?
3: i, I tell you what, UNP, like a lot of the rails, actually finished the year with better volumes in the fourth quarter than people had expected i i, I think the rails um, i think first of all a lot of the uber cyclicals have underperformed here so if you're even neutral on the market they should continue to outperform and i think the rails actually have more than priced in a slower growth outlook so i think you, you can stay there
1: all right Guy. norfolk southern i think is cheaper on valuation if you go you if you like i think if you like unp and, and maybe this is an overreaction to the upside but to tim's point more in terms of more granular i think nsc on valuation is more interesting
0: well, the markets have been on a wild ride since the highs with the S&P down nearly 13 percent from its peak in September with some twists and turns almost no one saw coming. And if you're worried about more market turmoil, our next guest says there are three names you can buy no matter what happens next. master Carter Worth is over at the plaza with the name Hey, Carter.
6: Hi, guys. So today's uh, client report was 100 stocks to own, whether the market goes up, down, or nowhere at all. I've singled out three, and uh, let's uh, look at them. The first is a sort of Smid cap stock, it's six billion. But the reason I like it, it's idiosyncratic growth and it acts particularly well relative to the market and absolute. But here's a chart, no drawings or annotations by me. But what I would point out is all of this aggressive, heavy volume gaps and upthrust, those are all quarterly beats. And that's uh, a very positive and dynamic thing. But if you were to put lines on it, it has a well defined uptrend. And what has happened is that typically, On these lines, it has bounced. And this bounce, I would think, carries to a new high. So um, one of three. Now, here is something that's large cap, $100 It's FinTech or whatever you want to call it. No drawings or annotations by me. I would draw the lines this way. What we have here is something that's been backing and filling to a point where something dynamic, I believe, is about to happen. And what I think that is going to be is this, up and out of this setup. But what's really important is now, let's look at relative performance. If you look at this same setup, what's been happening is, yes, even as the stock has been sideways, what we really know, of course, is this. It is making new all-time relative highs to the market, a textbook breakout on a relative basis. That's ideal, and I think it gets resolved by an absolute move up and out of that formation. And then finally, A super cap name, low beta, a beta of about 0.75 mature growth. Let's draw some lines. I think you're setting up like this. A lot of tension here. But key is, if you do break out from well-defined tops, and then you check back to the level from which you broke out, that sets you up nicely for what is going on now. And then again, here too, look at the relative performance. As McDonald's sold off with the market, of course, it is going straight up relative to the S&P. And that's particularly good given its low beta. Now, again, it's not just three. There are plenty of good names. But no matter what you think here, there's always a stock or several stocks that one can buy.
0: Carter, come on over. Thank
1: you. But in 2019 we were no longer making unilateral decisions Did I miss Why that? Would that change the guy? It's wrong? What's changed? <laughs> now you want to ask yourself when there's a change. The year the change. change. What? The so, year okay. change. Okay.
3: okay. Sorry. No.
0: That does not change. No. Especially no, so when it comes to Carter Worth. I mean, Carter is a yourself thing. That
3: hasn't that changed. A technical analyst. Gummy bears um, 2019. So we said these
0: are stocks you can buy no matter what the market does. What do you think the market's going to be doing?
6: Oh well, I mean the market's been topping for a year, right? We had a blow-off top. A year ago, that was the highest RSI reading ever recorded in the S&P on a weekly basis. Higher than 1929, higher than 1987, higher than 2000, and we never recovered from that. We had a classic bull trap. We made a slight new high in September, October, drew in a lot of money, and then the murder began. Worst October in 10 years, worst December in in a generation or two. And there's a great long-standing phrase, bear markets are characterized by sharp counter-trend rallies providing excellent entry points for shorts. We've seen this over and over. Did anything change because we rallied here a little bit? Nothing. I think there's. this is just the opening of what is likely much more to come. Uh, yeah. So
0: when you're talking about McDonald's and Etsy and and PayPal, these are going to be, I understand that. That's why we tend to Smart not decision. eat gummies while we're on television. <laughs> Which is why you should ask anyway. if you
1: should come over now. I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: anyway. Um,
1: Work that gummy. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's sort of strange to think about some of these stocks as stocks that will that you can buy no matter what the market does well, i mean it's just you're saying that they will outperform s- relative to that's s- right $100. and we're
6: absolute but here's the thing it's also knowing who you are in the market there are plenty of people who who must be fully invested by mandate by charter right so there's that category there right. are people who don't have to trade or do anything then hey you're probably better off in cash i'm in the business of having to make recommendations both for institutional and retail customers and there's always the requirement to find things to buy these are as good as any the list of 100 is, is good. You don't have to pick this one or that one. But most people want to find something to buy no matter what, because 98% of all capital is long only. Right.
5: So just looking at Etsy, it seems that so not your kind of name. Yeah. Well, just <laughs> some momentum
6: stock. I mean, I tried to remember the, the 100 stocks were, were all capital, all beta. I don't really have a type of name. Do I, you mean a type of business? I don't even know what they do.
5: Okay, design. so that's interesting to me.
6: <laughs>
3: that's that's I mean, classic. That's the nor, that. nor
6: are the okay. algorithms that are I eating everybody's that. lunch. They have no idea either. They okay. don't know about PE, the DCF, the enterprise value, but that's all going passe. just the that's, chart. It's uh-huh. just the chart.
0: Just the chart. Just the chart. Okay. Carter thank you. Thanks guys. Carter worth, cornerstone. So we want to ask the traders now what their top stocks to buy no matter what are. Steve, we'll start with you.
4: So this, is, this was about a week ago I picked this one, GE, about two weeks ago. GE, it's already up 15% year-to-date. Oddly enough, I think a lot of the headwinds have dis- – oh, I shouldn't say have dissipated. They're still there. But I think that everyone knows they're still there. And not even on a re- relative basis, on an absolute basis, this has outperformed the overall market. I think GE is a safer place to put your money these days.
1: Okay. My pick would be CBW. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that tip. That, I don't even know what that does. Part of Braxton <laughs> work.
5: That was cannabis about. related.
1: <laughs> in, no, in any market, he does well. But if you choose, if you make me choose, listen, Mastercard's had a huge move to the downside from 220 to 180. And valuation, yeah, maybe it's stretched, but that's been a concern with this stock since it went public. But if you look, revenue growth in the high teens, their transaction volume continues to pick up. So I think if the, even if the tape were to sort of go sideways to lower, I think Mastercard's a safe place to be.
0: I'm going to break the cardinal rule, mm. my own You're rule. back. Bring oh. them back. I'm bring back. Bringing them back. 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 Oh, wow. Wow. Carter's still You didn't need another gummy, did you? What do you think of, of General Electric and Mastercard as stocks? Well, so buy, let's, no let's talk
6: about those does. two. One is something that has the prospect of being so bad it's good. I mean, a completely bombed out, that's like a chalbré. That's one way uh, to find opportunity in this kind of environment. The other is a heretofore great leader that, even as it's rolled over, is making new relative strength highs to the market. It is, in many ways, mm-hmm. the most reliable sort of cash flow that you can find out there, the most reliable, pure idiosyncratic growth large-cap growth so if you want to go that route I like them both in that sense.
0: Wow CBW stamp of approval. So then it's five
6: stocks not three. You wow. just added exactly. two. There we you go. You just
0: added two. Tim, do you want to try and add to this conversation?
3: Well, I tell you what, I, I think JP Morgan is a name. And that may sound crazy. The financials certainly looked like they were in a lot of trouble over the last, say, three or four months. But if you look at JP Morgan, first of all, relative to its peer group, it outperformed by 10%. Relative to the market, it's flat. Uh, and to me, it's the highest quality name, certainly in the banking sector, but it's one of the highest quality companies in the world, and that's a name I feel comfortable with even through difficult times. J.P. Morgan is not a name I'm looking to cut out of my portfolio even the worst of times.
0: And I know Karen likes J.P. Morgan. Oh, Does I do. the chart master like J.P. Morgan? No, brought him, whoa, whoa, whoa! I <laughs> <laughs> brought him back! That's 2019 crazy! 2019 is a new year, guys! Oh, my, oh my God! It keeps oh, God. coming back!
3: New i take new
6: my Listen, obviously, uh, if, if you have to speculate with a really beaten down bank or go best in class, the the... the, the, the JP Morgan is going to be.
3: doesn't there. sound like he would be though. That was yeah, a little I mean, lukewarm. I think, man. I think the financials yeah, have bounced
6: a lot already, and I'd be inclined to fade the group.
3: All right.
0: Finally, <laughs> goodbye Carter. <Thank> <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. I'm leaving. Coming up, Amazon and Netflix, the rulers of today's big tech rally. Could this be a sign that an even grander surge is ahead for the group? Plus, Starboard taking a stake in Dollar Tree today, sending shares of the retailer surging. We'll tell you what this could mean for the company and the retail space. Much more Fast Money right after this. money stocks adding to friday's epic rally leading the pack are the former market kings netflix and amazon surging today those stocks now up a whopping 36 and 25 percent from their lows in december this while other tech giants like apple google and facebook sat out the rally are these two stocks about to restart their reign as the market kings and will the rest of tech follow suit. What do you think,
5: Karen? Well, if any of it's premised on the Golden Globes, right, then I think that's really sort of the tail wagging the dog for Amazon. It's great, but Mm. it doesn't matter. For Netflix, it does matter. However, it's bounced a lot. I still think on a valuation basis, I can't get there, particularly when you think about the business model, when you think about the cost of that content, right? How expensive that's getting combined with the competition. That
4: is, but it ran with yes. all those things before. The, what pulled them off the highs was this revaluation, growth versus value, back into growth. So I, I think the, the big thing that you look at is, is this year-end positioning that we've watched play out with everyone selling it? And to your point, is this just a day or two afterglow from the Golden Globes? And I think it's more of the latter. And I think these things are probably not going to hold these levels. So, it's so that's int- a
5: surprising from... Oh, yeah from you on Netflix. Yeah, I think yes. it's
4: all Momo. I think it was end-of-year positioning. I think a lot of this was a rebalancing tie-up. A lot of it could have been tax selling. There's, there's 10 reasons why you could have been a seller here.
1: So it's interesting. Now, you look at Netflix, and we talked about this on Friday. I think in earnings at rallies, they report on January 17th. But if you look at the move in Roku, which I am a huge subscriber. You don't even in. know what
0: it is. He does. I, I bet yeah, you I actually, actually no.
1: sort of know what it is, but I, I do. don't. Do okay. Know that's. Good. Yeah. The stock was up 25% today, of having you know cratered in the last couple months. So if Roku is an indication, I think you can be long. I'd stay it again. Mm-hmm. I think you long Netflix into earnings on the. Bought Roku on Etsy. Oddly enough,
0: <laughs> works great. What's going on with Alphabet?
3: Uh, you know, I think bottom line here is people are starting to look at that entire, call it, group of stocks a little bit differently. I think they're starting to figure out that, first of all, I, I think Alphabet should be treated a little bit different from, differently from a regulatory perspective. Uh, at the fact that we fanged stocks for so long, even though they all did very different things, is fine. It happens. But now let's talk about what Google's core business is. And I think Google's core business is, is very, very healthy. Uh, and I think they're finding out new ways to become instrumental in our home as we're learning the more and more about their personal assistant and how much progress it's making. I think the regulatory overhang is something that is has put a, somewhat of a headwind on the stock multiple. But of all the names we're talking about, Google is by far and away the most interesting name to be an investor in because of the valuation and because of their core business.
0: Still ahead, check out shares of Dollar Tree, the stock surging today after Starboard takes a stake in the retailer. So will the activist investor make money grow on trees? Get it? Dollar Tree. Oh, now I do. Plus (laughs) Disneyland hiking prices for the second time in a year. But does the Mouse House really have the magic power of pricing? The traders weigh in. Much more Fast Money coming up next. Welcome back to Pass Money. Dollar Tree is soaring today on Starboard Value's new stake in the company, and the activist firm is looking to turn its investment into some big changes at Dollar Tree, which investors and consumers might want to watch out for. Leslie Pickers back at headquarters with more.
8: Hey, Les. Hey, Melissa. Among those changes, importantly, is the price point. Starboard says Dollar Tree should offer items that are as high as dollars. It all boils down to time value of money. A dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. The hedge fund says due to inflation and rising input costs, Dollar Tree is offering smaller and lower quality products today than they did in the past. Starboard is also seeking a sale of Family Dollar, which Dollar Tree acquired for about $9 billion only four years ago. But investors and analysts believe it has been a drag on the business, lacking any positive comp growth in 2018. Now, Starboard says that if Dollar Tree implements the first Plan, the shares would be worth 53 percent more than where they're currently trading. The hedge fund has taken a 1.7 percent stake and nominated seven directors whom they have not yet disclosed. That would represent a majority in its current board size of 12. Now, Dollar Tree issued a statement in response saying that they, quote, look forward to the opportunity to engage with Starboard regarding the suggestions they may have. The company added that the board will evaluate Starboard's nominees and will make a recommendation in due course but if history is any guide melissa starboard could have a chance in getting some directors on the dollar tree board the firm won over two dozen board seats last year through settlements more than any other activist shop but if the dollar tree side doesn't concede an outright proxy fight may be on the table as the countdown to dollar tree's june annual meeting rolls on melissa
0: all right leslie thank you leslie picker at headquarters interesting they suggest raising prices by 100% to yield a 53% increase in the share price. <laughs> anyway, in math, light of the math news, works. It, it, no, is, is a discount store it's looking like be. a bargain buy?
1: Well, buy. I mean, I don't know. We do When we go to the to the, to the smart board and power we, do pitch. That, yeah. we power, the power pitch, pitch, and yeah. Yeah. one of the yeah. ones we did earlier, well, last year, was a dollar gen, actually, mm-hmm. in this whole genre of companies. Now, I would be concerned with dollar gen now because... Some of the things that I read is if they clean up Dollar Tree, maybe Dollar Gen would be a suitor. Dollar Gen's a suitor, my sense it would be dilutive to their share price. So I'd avoid that. But I think there's a chance that a Target or an Amazon comes in and swoops up a Dollar Tree. So Mm -hmm. despite the fact that I'm not in love with DG here for those reasons, I think Dollar Tree probably does have room to run.
5: I don't know. I mean, this is a really interesting, very aggressive filing, right? Very aggressive. We're here. We're going to take over your board. Yeah. majority of your board, we're going to dismantle your entire strategy, including your... <laughs> and double your of, prices. Right, including your... And double your prices. You are considering to call yourself dollar. Two dollar tree. Otherwise... $2 tree. Right. Two dollar tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a really aggressive agenda. Now, they've done a number of these before, right? I, I don't know what dollar, what family dollar would be worth now. I guess, you know, if they came in, they would just say, we'll sell it nearly at any price because we think it's such a drag on the business. I don't know. I wouldn't be a buyer here up five bucks on this news, because I think clearly the company has some trouble. I think the chance of them winning a majority is low. They probably know that already. That's not news. But I think he can wait, let it let it sort of settle down a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think it's an interesting story. I, their third quarter numbers were a little weaker on the top line and on margin. But but and they actually had a tax beat, which helped make a lot of that. But I, I think they're very well positioned here. So, I mean, I could understand why the Starboard guys would be aggressive about let's, you know, let, let's let's be aggressive within the sector and actually try to put the screws to some of the competition. Um, I, I think it's a name you can own. I don't think you chase it on this news. You need to want to own this thing fundamentally.
4: I think they're both running in. Dollar Gen and Dollar Tree, both running into technical resistance. I think this is a one-off for everything that Karen said. The business strategy doesn't make sense to me. You're switching it, turning it on its head, and recreating it, and uh, expect people to just buy into it. I think it's a dead-end strategy. I think they're both sells. All
0: right, coming up, Disneyland hiking prices for the second time this year. So does the Magic Kingdom really have the pricing power? CEO Bob Iger thinks it does. The traders weigh in. We're live at the NASDAQ and Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Disneyland opening a brand new 14-acre Star Wars-themed attraction later this year. And to celebrate, it's raising ticket prices. Disney announcing that its cheapest ticket to the park will now cost more than $100 on the lowest demand days and raising parking prices as well. Disney shares are up slightly today. But does Disney have the magic power of pricing Tip.
3: I'm afraid they do. And as a parent that has to go to Disney once in a while, I actually I'm very impressed by Disney. Um, They they've become probably the pricing leader in terms of just innovative pricing, surge pricing, different rates. You can if you've got the money, you can go through that park you know on your own as if there was no one else there, um, and they're getting away with it. It's one of the reasons why Disney as a media company to me is is arguably again the most diversified and best one to hold because in fact of a diversified business model that includes theme parks. So um, yes, I think they can get away with it. I think it's a sign of the times. I think uh, the, the, the content in their studio is so strong. They're pumping out these very important thematic things that my kids want to go to.
0: I mean, I'm glad you mentioned content because it seems like content providers have pricing power as well. It's sort of the entertainment complex, the Netflixes right. of the world, the Hulus, etc. Even
4: Amazon. I think Amazon has mm-hmm. pricing power, yeah. right? Hey, no one's throwing out their, their Prime membership, and they pay probably double for a Prime membership. in Amazon, I do believe they have true pricing power. As far as Disney... Range bound, hundred dollars, one twenty. Limited upside from here, maybe ten dollars. I know it sounds big, but I don't believe that they have pricing power.
5: You don't believe it, the no. parks? I mean, I don't know. Any parent has been to that park, first of all, they do an extraordinary job. You are in their ecosystem, the Magic Kingdom. They do an extraordinary job. That's where kids want to go. You got it. You got to. And you think about employment again. We come back to wage increases. Right. It feeds right into it. It's Guy, have you worked at Disney? Stranglehold?
3: I think that would be a is place to work. Is that was,
5: the last bastion I was for Pluto. you? <laughs> goofy. No, you were not.
1: <laughs> How do you know? How do you know? I was in, was in a costume. How would you know? I mean, you can't tell. It's interesting. New Year's Eve, we actually did a show from here. And you you were up. You were traveling, which is yeah. your right to do. But we all wore tuxedos, and at the end of the show, we had a gentleman, Zane Turkel. Remember, oh, yeah. Zane came from Applebee's. on Applebee's, yeah. and somebody asked him a great question. Do you have pricing power? And he said, "You know what." If we raise our prices by ten cents an item, we get emails the next day. So I'm, I'm just saying that it, maybe Disney thinks they have pricing. They better hope they do. Oh, you think do. that they don't? Uh, you think they
5: haven't researched this?
1: I'm sure they have. Today. I'm but, absolutely yeah. sure they have. But you know, you're pushing it a little. T- Apple, but I'm sure they researched it and they, they ran in this. They think that they have pricing, or they apparently they, they didn't. Did. Not in China. Just saying. There's
5: not a Huawei park you could take your kids. (laughs) At the moment, maybe there will be, but the Magic Kingdom is pretty extraordinary. All
0: right. Well, Disney is betting that consumer wallets can handle a bigger hit, and one options trader is making a bullish bet of his own. Mike Coe joins us from San Francisco with the action. Hey, Mike.
9: Hi there. So we did see calls out trade puts in Disney by about one and a half times to one, and they normally are about evenly paced, over 23,000 calls traded overall and the most active of those were the january 25th weekly 115 strike calls those are the ones that expire one week after regular expiration which is next week and one institutional buyer paid about 70 cents for 500 of those so that's somebody who's making a bullish bet that it's going to be above 115.70 in just over two weeks would be an increase of about five percent and i would also point out you know we put on a bullish bet on the options action just over a week ago you can follow us on twitter and get updates on that but we were targeting Actually, the 120 uh, strike, which is the level that Steve Grasso pointed out. But there is no competition for Disney. So, of course, if you have no competition, you do have pricing power. I've had to pay those high ticket prices myself. I think
0: this is going to go back to to your own, Walt. I mean, you know, you really encapsulate the Peter
9: Lynch. uh, Those are (laughs) called channel checks. Those are channel
3: checks, people. (laughs) We're there.
9: It must be a in It too. always comes back to it. Yeah, and every, yeah exactly. And every and everybody else who's watching, you know perfectly well that if Disney is what people want, that's what they're going to go get.
6: Yep.
0: All right, Mike, thanks for more Options Action. Check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. And as Mike had mentioned, you can follow us on Twitter. When did
1: this start becoming a at Options, thing? Options Action, what? The shameless Twitter plugs. Why
0: not? You can follow us on <laughs> Fastway2. Follow, too, every, follow everybody. everybody. Let them follow. it. The next, don't care. Final Trades. Great. Tim Seymour.
3: Look, Carter brought up McDonald's. This is a company for all seasons. I think they have recrafted themselves. So they're not selling toothbrushes yet, but eventually they might. Look, bottom line is McDonald's is a great valuation. Steve Easterbrook is making this happen. I've been in stock for a long time. I stay there.
0: You said toothbrushes, right? Yeah. Toothbrushes. That's what I thought okay. I heard. Yeah. yeah. That's it's 10 that's what bucks. I heard, Karen. Yeah.
5: I, You know, it was a big retail rally today. I hate to recommend things after a big rally. But Target, we've been talking about it for a while. I really do believe they're going to be an Amazon survivor. Also Walmart as well. And I think at this valuation, even though it's up, it's still low relative to the market. And I think they're doing the right things. And they're being very aggressive with their business. And it's working for Target. Nice.
4: Steve Grasso. GE, I think a couple of months ago we were talking about maybe restructuring, maybe bankruptcy. I don't think we're talking about that anymore. I would be a buyer of GE. I am a buyer. Everyone still hates it. You know where they're going to like it? Up 30%. GE.
1: Key. You know, it's funny Tim mentioned toothbrushes, because uh-huh. twice a okay. year you go to the dentist. My dentist, Dr. Sahoney in Florham Park, is a huge Alabama Crimson Tide fan. Roll band. Tide tonight. Roll Tide tonight. Big I game. know you are, are a Roll Tide yep.
3: person. Are you going to watch, by the way? You any shot of you? Come on, really? Yeah.
0: This
1: a to. shot.
3: Anyway, <laughs> we're running SEC out dominating, five. by the way. The Nordstrom's. You know the that? move down to 45,
1: held where it should have held. I think it continues to rally, although earnings are far away. I think you buy Nordstrom's.
0: We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money with Jim Kramer Starts Now.
8: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Janet,